Welcome to our Think Kingdom podcast. We want to welcome you this week as we continue in our new series, Beloved. Let's see what God's Word has for us from lead pastor, Antoine Lassiter. So when we're sitting in silence, what we're doing is asking him to invade. That there's, there's prayers that we pray, right? But, and there's, if you're like me, sometimes there's a litany of things. Like I, I literally, Dion, I literally have like a whole list of stuff. And this, and this, and don't forget, you said this was going to happen. And then I don't even make space for him to answer. And so it's almost like uh, have, someone has an answer for you, but you keep interrupting. So they just take a step back and, okay, let me, let me just let you finish. And so sometimes we've got to practice the, these moments where we're just waiting, knowing that he's faithful. And here's what I've learned. Um, my wife and I, I was I finally, and, and, and for those who've, who've known me for a long time, you're going to celebrate this. I finally cleaned out my garage. Yeah, man, it's been, it's been 17 years coming, Reverend. And uh, so Tanya has this, has this jar, and, and Chris can attest to it. And so I'm giving more instructions than actually working, but that's neither here nor there. So, um, so I have this jar and it's, um, it's uh, like a cookie jar and um, it has strips of paper in it. And the strips of paper are pink and they look like they were cut. And um, I'm tossing most of stuff. I'm like, I'm tossing a lot of stuff. So a lot of stuff I'm just tossing. But, but this, this little jar was intriguing to me. And it, and it had on the top of it in faded letters, A-S-K-E-D, asked. I was like, well, this is odd. So I took the top off and I began to take the strips out and I sat down and pointing instructions to Chris. Um, and I sat down, I started reading it. My, le- my, my wife, um, ha- uh, she, she put her prayer requests, things that she was asking God, in this jar, and somehow it made its way to the garage. And so as I'm cleaning out, and I see the pink letters, and I see it's handwritten, I open it, and and I start reading her prayers from five years ago. And Chris is my witness. I said, every prayer that she prayed was answered, even if she forgot she prayed them. And I started thinking from literally, like literally she had in the prayer, one of the prayers, and you guys know my health journey that I'm on. She, she had one of the prayers, um, Lord, help my husband to lose 78 pounds. And I'm reading it, and today I have lost 72 pounds. I, I want you, I, dude, it was... Um, Lord, when I transition from this job, do not cause financial calamity for my family because I don't want to put more pressure on my husband. And it's answered. It was about 22 things ranging from finances to our relationship to health. Everything that you can imagine was in that jar and they were answered. And so here's what I want you to see. It was not answered in the time that she prayed it. God is so faithful. 
that even the prayers you've stopped praying, he remembers. So when we pray for our children and all chaos in hell seems to be, and you literally, let's just be honest, you stop praying about it and you just start travailing about it. He remembers that prayer. That's, how, that's the God that we serve. And Dion, um, what I'm, 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 I'm really starting to see is that when we pray these prayers, some of those prayers were not even prayed in faith. They were literally complaints. And he said, I'm going to do it, not for you, but for my namesake. Because his promises are both yea and amen. And so I'm, I'm, I'm doing it and, and I'm, I'm overwhelmed because there were private prayers that she never told me. And I started thinking about God's faithfulness. Y'all got to hear me. We not faithful. And, 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 and even my health journey was like this. I start and stop, start and stop. But great is his faithfulness. And so if, if we're going to unpack being beloved, it's not contingent on us. Glory be to God. If it was up to you to be able to sustain your faith, you couldn't do it. So Pentecost is not just speaking in tongues and, and getting power to be strong in here. Pentecost is the promise that the comforter has come. So in my weakness, I can boast in his strength. When, 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 I, when I am inconsistent, I can still speak to his consistency. I'm the same today. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. That is what Pentecost, I'm with you. It's not about wearing white, even though that can draw us and make us unified. I get it. It's not about us being baptized by the Holy Spirit. It is about the promise has come. And if we're ever going to see the power that God has for us, that God desires to listen to the, the, the creator, I got you, man, uh, how many of us work for, for, uh, for, um, for, for corporations? How many of us work for corporations? Now, most of us have never met the president because he's too busy. But the creator of the universe does this to us. And we take for granted that we have an audience from God. And so we don't even make room for him. But if your favorite athlete called you, you would change your schedule. But now the creator of the universe says, wakes me up and says, son, you haven't talked to me this week. I just want to talk to you. I just, he says, Dora, you haven't talked to me this week, and I just want to talk to you. And we got to be in position to hear from him. We keep searching for more prophecies, searching for scriptures taken out of context. And the reality of it is your greatest gift that you have is an audience with him. 
That is God not only with us, but in us. And we are broken vessels, yet he, he resides in us. And the beauty of him, the beauty of God is we have this big theological word that he's incarnational. Let me just break that word down to you. It simply means that God moved in your neighborhood. That's all that means. That means that Jesus, God, with God, decided that I have to do what they can't. So he moves into your home. And you know those closets? Well, it's just me. Those closets full of junk? He said, let me take a peek in that. I don't want you to do when visitors come to your home and you clean up the public spaces. Let me see you're dirty. Let me see the stuff that you hide. I want access to that. And this is what we wrestle with because people can't handle those dirty closets. And so what we try to do is put you in a frame so that you can't get free. We got bound people in the church because if they shared their dirty closets, we shunned them. And that's why we keep being in those closets of safety. And closets are usually dark and that's where the enemy lives. The enemy dwells in shadows and God himself says, hey, I'm about to turn on the, no, no God, don't turn on the light. And I'm telling you, I don't want a church full of people that can do the routine of, mm, of church going. Gotta be a church full of people that understand what Pentecost really means to us. That it was, we did not deserve to be comforted by God that we do not deserve for God to, the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And even in our messed up brokenness, he desires to be in relationship with you. Dirty, nasty you. And those questions and those doubts and those, those challenges you have to your faith, we won't even go to him for the answers. We look inward and we have these echoes we all live in this echo chamber. That anytime someone confronts what we believe, we X them out. You know why? Because you're not sure yourself. We should be able to be in relationship with anyone. I know who I am in Christ. Why am I threatened with somebody who don't know Jesus? I know Jesus. And so we sit here in these these silos and these closets. And you know what you want to hear? Another fantastic sermon from your pastor. I ain't got no more. You got Jesus. No, seriously. You have Jesus. Our, our musicians, um, Danny and Mike, they couldn't make it this, this Sunday. We can't worship God because we ain't got a bass and an electric guitar. Your favorite song won't worship today? Man, why they ain't play? You mean to tell me we have all these conditions to be in God's presence? When he invites us in? Sir, ma'am, you're not that busy. Because Jesus, was, Jesus wasn't. Jesus is the creator. You know what he did? He, he abandoned heaven, wrapped in clothing, flesh, to hang out to change the world. The, now I want you to put this in perspective. The creator of the universe 
stops what he's doing to come see about us. And we can't get him five minutes. I mean, we're that busy. And then we pride ourselves in being busy. Man, you know how busy I've been this last week? I'm too busy for the universe, for the creator of the universe. Too busy for, Je- for Jesus. We don't even slow down enough to. And why we continue to live and stay in brokenness. And so I'm, I'm, I'm breaking every, every preaching rule there is. Because I'm, 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 I'm going to the fourth wall. Like when you watch a movie and you see the person looks into the camera and says something, that's what I'm doing this morning. I don't want another sermon that you can pick and choose what you follow. This is a sermon of obedience. That it's not because uh, Pastor Antoine or the elders or mom and them find out what you're doing. He knows. Like, and then here's the crazy part, Dion, is what I'm learning. That because I struggle with something, I pull you into bondage. Because I struggle with it. And now that becomes law. So then we dictate how often you should pray. We dictate you need at least an hour of God's word every morning, waking up at 2.30 in the morning. We become legalist. It worked for you don't mean it can work for all. I want us to start with where we are. It's, 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 it's Erica, it's the beauty of God is this. John chapter 1. Put it on the screen, Justin. John chapter, Justin's like, Dad, you messed up, and I'm all over the place. I got you. We got grace. John, I think it's 1 John. Yeah, 1 John 3. I want you to see this. See what great love the Father has given us, that we should be called God's children. And I like the exclamation point, and we are. Like, See what great love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children, and we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. And so we got so much of the world in us that there's no distinction between us. And it's, John is reminding them of who they are in Christ. And the thing that preaching, I'm seeing preaching does, um, is it's a constant reminder of who you are in Christ. I don't think we've ever settled that. I think that's the war in my members. I, th- I think that's what we wrestle with because in Christ, I want you to say this with me, I am not what I do. Um, I am not what I have. I am not what people say about me. I am who God says that I am. And so here's the, here's the challenge. And here's what I'm going to mess up your theology. You are loved just as you are. Not as you should be. You are, okay, I get it. I get it. Well, pastor, what about sin? Well, what about yours? Religious folks want to put a stipulation right there. We can't get over the fact that God loves us, 
period. Now, does, does that invite us? No, I'm, I'm saying that we wrestle with what God says about us because we recognize that that's not us. What do you mean by that? You still struggle with, and he says you blessed. So how do I, how do I rationalize? How do I, I wrestle with um, where I am and where he calls me? Here's a fact. If you join a church and you're looking for perfect people, don't you join because you're not. And you're looking at the wrong things. And so we will recognize, as Romans say, all have fallen short. All have sinned and fallen short. So Romans 8 and 35 talks about who can separate us from the love of Christ. And I love that he asked the question and then answered and throws different scenarios. Uh, affliction. Distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or shame, or danger, or sword. Who can separate us from the love of God? And he says in verse number eight, for I am persuaded I need a death nor life. Now death is it. And he says not even death can separate us from the love of God. So the worst of yourself and the best of yourself cannot separate you from the love of God. So why do we keep putting on these garments of shame? The loving Father, Christ, builds a garden for two individuals. And these two individuals um, have access to, to, to God, access to the Father, access to the Son. And, and they mess up. I want you to see this. They mess up. They make a mistake. And instead of running to God, they run away. The consequences are not removed. Absolutely. But, but don't you see yourself in this? We mess up, Jael, and run away from God. When if you think about it and you look at your past challenges, it's something about running to the Father. It gives, me, it gives me comfort, not running away from him. And we create these patterns rooted in shame. And so in order for me to handle my shame, I begin to try to manage my shame. And so now I, I use people um, to put a mask on, and I think I'm hiding for them because, you know, I don't want nobody in my business but you're also hiding from him. So now you're managing your shame. They know. They see me. And so uh, it's all about, and then we have these false dichotomies. It's all about God. I don't need dot, dot, dot. And last time I checked, God works through people. The painful reality is, see, pain is a warning it reveals something that isn't right. And so um, I'm driving my car. Me and Chris, listen, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm taking up golf again. Y'all pray for me. And um, so me and Chris decided to go to the, 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 the uh, driving range. And so we go into the driving range. And look, look, if you, if you know me, I don't know anything about cars. But I do know when something ain't right. 
So I'm driving, and I hear it coming from the wheels. I said, Chris, that ain't good. I didn't know how to fix it, but I didn't ignore the problem. And oftentimes, we're driving these cars of a body, these cars of life. I'm not just talking about physical. I'm talking about all of it. We're driving, and there's noises that shouldn't be made, and we just ignore it. And so times of immaturity, you know what I'll do? I'll just turn up the music. Yep. Y'all looking at me like, what? Would you turn the music of your spiritual walk? And, and, and so, so what, what happens is the reason why we don't practice these moments of silence it's because when I turn on that radio, I hear everything. And here's, why the cha- well, here's what the challenge is, if we want to be honest. I know that I can't pay what it cost. And so I go along ignoring it, praying for mercy when mercy is provided. That we won't even look under the hood. It's just going to be too much. Well, that little problem can become a big problem if you don't face it. And so Jesus comes to bear our brokenness with the gentleness of his love. While the pain is shouting, he comes as a skilled surgeon, patient. Because he moved in our neighborhoods. He's just waiting on you. Ouch. You see, you want me to take... He's not going to force surgery on you. you. You and I got to go through the process. And oftentimes, the reason why we're not willing to go through the process is because it's going to cost us something. And so many of us, the reality of it is, we've learned to live with the realities of our pain because there's unfamiliar steps to being whole. And so we rather, we rather wince ah, than, than for him to take a look under the hood. Because, and, and this is actually the message that the, the pathway to being beloved is surrendering. And that's the hardest thing to do in the world. And so I dance around issues because I refuse to surrender. John, I think it's chapter five, there's a man at the pool. And Jesus notices him. Justin, put that up. I want you to see this. By the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there's a pool called... Bethesda in uh, Aramaic, which has five colonnades. Within these lay a large number of disabled, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been disabled for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and realized he had already been there a long time. So Jesus knows that you've been dealing with this for a long time. And he says to us, do you want to get well? Now, what kind of question is that? 
Now go back, Justin, to verse number five. Now, you already know I've been disabled for 38 years. Verse number six. And how are you going to ask me a question like that? And then listen to the answer of the disabled man. Sir, the disabled man answered him, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And, but while I'm coming, I'm, I'm, I'm going as fast as I can, but I can't walk. And people are not even noticing that my condition is worse than theirs. And they're passing me by. You know, one of the most dangerous uh, abuses that you can have, one of them, and, and, and there's statistics to bear witness, is neglect when you don't matter at all. You're not even worthy for attention. And when you're disabled in this context and you're trying to get there, they know that you're not healed. They know that you're broken. But their needs, with their needs, they keep walking past you. And, and I see this in the church. He says, when the water is stirred up and they believe that there was something in the pool and, and they ascribe to miracles concerning the pool. And I've heard theologians talk about and try to explain it. But here's what I do know. Man, that pool, even in its all its supernatural abilities, that man was still broken even if he got in there. Verse number eight. Go back to verse number seven. But while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. And verse number eight says, get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. And as your pastor, I'm telling you to get up. Because what do you do when the pool isn't accessible to you? What do you do when everyone around you seems to be getting what they want from God except you? You're waiting for anybody to come put you in, but everyone is ignoring you. And you're sitting in the house of God. And we don't even have time to see that you're not whole. You're too busy, running the, you're too busy on the tech team. You're too busy on the worship team. You're too busy preaching. You're too busy. You're too busy. You're too busy. And Jesus has stopped by on Pentecost Sunday. And he's asking us at the church, do you want to get old? Because he sees that we've been here for far too long. And how many know that a physical, a physical issue can be spiritual as well? And he says, he says, what do you want to do with your brokenness, beloved? What do you want to do, beloved? Because Jesus himself leans into the brokenness and he takes residence in our brokenness. So Jesus always asks us hard questions. The woman at the well, ma'am, where are your husbands? You married? He leans into shame. He didn't come for the whole. He came for the sick. So why are we pretending that we, <clears throat> that, <clears throat> that we okay? 
Why are we pretending? He says, and then, and then here's in my dysfunction, I'm just talking about you, that, that sometimes in our dysfunction, our brokenness, wear, like, we wear like a, a badge of honor. Everybody got problems, doc. Yes, yes. But I ask you about your problem. I'm asking you, do you want to be whole? And he says, pride. And this is what I'm realizing, that when it comes to being whole, pride is our biggest enemy. I, I use this as an example on this health, this health journey. And I'm not the standard. This is just an example. On this health journey, I got a double bacon cheeseburger that follow me around everywhere I go. Every time when I'm eating healthy, there it is. Hey. No, no. Hey, man, that was a hard week. You want to eat me? I do. I do. <laughs> I'm not. But I do. And, and, and me and uh, Andrew have these patterns um, of, of calling each other in the mornings. And, and, and sometimes, man, as soon as I wake up, I think about, you know, God, family, and stuff like that. But Andrew and double cheeseburgers. <laughs> this is the day. I'm about, yeah, I know you're frowning at me, Dion. I'm just being real. What is chasing you down that you pretend it ain't there? And, and he, my bro, he wants to lean in that. See, the, the more, the, the, the whole I get, the more transparent I become. Because what I realize is, as long as me and him good, I don't really care what you think. And part, part of being good with him is constant confession. Yes. The, the closer I get to him, the more dirty I see yes. in me. And so that's how I'm able to extend grace to you. Because I see how messed up I am. And so he says, he says, listen, do, do you want to be whole? Do I want to ask Jesus to touch the places of my life I've worked so hard to avoid? Do I want Jesus to touch the places of my life that I worked so hard to avoid, to reopen the wounds that have scabs over them for self-protection? And see, how do I know I need to confess? Because that wound is still seeping with bitterness. You mention their names and you roll your eyes, and they are in another country. Do I want to be healed? Do I want to be healed? Do I want the water with that woman at well that can quench my thirst forever? Where do I turn and to whom can I go? Because between my brokenness and being called beloved, Jesus is the bridge. And Jesus becomes shame, yet sinless as a demonstration of his love for us. Could we really tell everything that we've done to him and he still loves me? Could he really know my shame and still love me? Tiffany, you was on fire this morning because I was wrestling this whole week with Matthew 11. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me. And even him in all his glory, he says, because I am lowly and humble. And you will find rest for your souls.
our brokenness can actually lead us and point us to Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. I'm going to end with this. As God is delivering the people out of Egypt, and, and he takes them to the wilderness. And so the people, I want you to see this, they're in between, oh my God, they're in between bondage and freedom. I want you to see this. And so they encountered a lot of stuff. And listen, some of this stuff was not um, because they were evil. Some of this stuff was life. And so, so God is with them through life. Not just the miracles of in the supernatural. He's with them through the ordinary. So here's what happens. In Exodus, um, they come against, they, they, come, uh, they come with this, they're in the desert. And um, God is leading them through it. And they come to a place and everybody's thirsty. Now, you're following God. You're obeying. And he's taking you the long way. And, and, and you, you're trying to be faithful and obedient, but it's taking longer than you expected. And then, and then along the way, you, 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 you're thirsty. And, and, and here's what's so crazy. You're thirsty and you come upon a brook. You come upon a stream. And this is, is the thing that can quench us. And they began to drink it, but the water was so bitter they couldn't. And they became, and they complained they complained. We should have stayed. We stepped out. And we should have stayed. And we can't even get water. And Moses, he hears the grumblings of the people. And Moses takes the grumbling to God. And God says, hey, I'm, God says, hey, this is what I'm going to do. What I want you to do, Moses, I want you to pick up that wood. Pick up that wood and go to that water. I just want you to just put the wood in the water. That's all he says do. When you put that wood in the water, tell the people to drink. They came to the water of bitterness. Oh, God. It comes to the water of bitterness. It wasn't what they expected. This was harder than what you said back in Egypt. And he says to Moses, just put it in the brook. And people obeying Moses begin to drink. And this time, the water was sweet. And it's at that place of brokenness and bitterness that they say Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. If you're here today, he never promised to take you out of the desert. He never promised to remove the obstacles along your way. What he promised was to be with you. The miracles that you've been praying for. And, and you would think, just Lord, do, do me a solid, Lord, and just, and just cut the trip short. I said, no. 
Because it's in this wilderness I'm teaching you. I'm teaching you with the extraordinary 10 plagues in Egypt. I'm teaching you with the Passover that the deaf angel came and, and it didn't affect your family. And so I'm, I'm teaching you coming out of Egypt and in, in front of you is this Red Sea and a part. I'm teaching you all. I'm teaching you that even in the midst of all this chaos, I promised that I was going to supply your needs according to my riches and glory. So while you're, you're, you're thinking that he's going to come as a bridge, or you're thinking that he's just going to rain, rain, rain from heaven, he said, no, I'm just going to stop you from going bitter. I'm going to turn that bitterness, that brokenness, to sweetness. And the reason why I'm doing it is because you're my beloved. And they say, and here's what I love about what, what God does by way of Scripture. And after they experience God meeting their need again, Tasha. They declare this place Jehovah Rapha. And, and we read and we're like, what's Jehovah Rapha? The one who heals. But what did he heal? What? This is just water. Would he heal Tiffany? But you know who to go to now. He, he, he heals. And so I got people around me dealing with shame, dealing with brokenness. What he wants from you, that's all he wants, is for you to open that closet, that junk that's in there. He said, Jael, give me that. Because if I can heal you in the desert and make bitterness sweet. You can trust me with everything else. And, and so I, I want you to just sit in this moment. I don't know what your brokenness is. I don't know what your brokenness is. But Hebrews chapter 12 says that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising its shame. Why did he endure the cross? He did it for you, beloved. He did it for you, beloved. He did it for you, beloved. That was Pastor Antoine continuing in our new series, Beloved. If you were blessed by anything you heard in today's podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. If you are in Charlotte or surrounding areas, come on by and visit us at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina at 1033. You can also join us online Sundays at 1033 a.m. on Facebook and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to us and be sure to check us out on Instagram under Think Kingdom. As always, you can go back and hear this message and so many more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast.